Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome again to Romans chapter 8 as we're teaching through it verse by verse. Today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God working together to where nothing that comes into our life we don't have an answer for. God knew they were coming ahead of time and prepared for us to just be open to the Word and to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. This is Pastor Bob Yandian. Thanks for joining us again here on Student of the Word. We are in the book of Romans and we are specifically in chapter 8 going verse by verse through it. And the book that I'm offering is my book on the book of Romans. Kind of looks scholarly, doesn't it? Well, anyway, I'm not a scholar. I don't know what a scholar is, but anyway, I just love the Word of God. Have a gift to teach it, and so I do so by presenting the Word of God. And bless. And I guess it's used of God because lives are changed and blessed by it. So again, thank you. Thank you also for those watching for the first time today. Welcome to the broadcast. And I know that you're going to be blessed from the Word of God. How can we get into the Word of God and you not be blessed and not learn something? And then also those of you who are joining us for the 20th time, 50th time, or the 100th time you've been watching for so long. And for those of you who become partners with me because you believe in this ministry, thank you, thank you. And again, I believe you're just like Aaron and her. You're helping me hold up my hands and and you're part of the team that Paul talked about in the book of Philippians. He talked about partners with him. Five times partnership is mentioned in the book of Philippians, the greatest church that stood with Paul in the time of his troubles and shared with him his blessings. So that's again what you're doing here. What I wanna do, you're helping me to get accomplished. When we accomplish it, you get the blessings and benefits. I get my part for preaching it. You get your part for supporting it. And so together we are using We are using temporary prosperity, temporary money for eternal results to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the motive behind giving. And the motive behind giving should be that he gives us power to get wealth in order that his covenant can be established in the earth and that covenant is winning souls. If you'd like to become a partner with me, thank you. Love for you to join me. Just go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me and share with me a part of your income so that we can accomplish souls in heaven. And when you get to heaven, listen, two things God will never say to you when you get to heaven. Number one, you went to church too much. And the second thing is you gave way too much money into the kingdom of God. He'll never tell you that. When you get to heaven, there's two things you will tell yourself. I wish I'd have gone to church more. And look at all these people around me that I helped win through my giving. I should have given more. And that's the things that will probably hit you. Then why not wake up to it now instead of then and begin to take more of your income and give it to the kingdom of God? Why? Because you'll get eternal results. The Bible doesn't say that God, that heaven and angels rejoice. Every, every new car you buy or all these other things that we rejoice over. No, they rejoice over every sinner that repents. So are you happy when you buy a car? Yes. Are angels happy? Not a bit. No, but when you win a soul, you know what? Oftentimes we say, oh, I led somebody to Jesus. We don't even rejoice it. We just say, oh, I led somebody to Jesus. But in heaven, angels are going ballistic. They're enjoying themselves, rejoicing and shouting because one person accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you helped that, you are responsible for it, either through your personal witnessing or sponsoring somebody else like me who presents the word of God. All right, so go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. Romans chapter eight, we ended last time with verse 23. Let's go back there. And this verse is talking 
about the fact that in life, we go through problems and trials, but one day when we get into heaven and we have a resurrection body and we're in heaven forever, we'll be away from all these problems down here. And one of the problems we have is we don't always know exactly how to pray. We face persecutions, tests, and trials in life, and we actually just come to the end of ourselves. Where do I even begin to pray for all this? And this now begins in verse 23. Verse 23 says, not only they, that is nature around us, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's the new birth. The new birth is the first fruits of the Spirit. After that, we can be filled with the Spirit, gain in wisdom, all these other fruits that come after But The very first fruit of the Holy Spirit is the new birth. It goes on to say, even we, Christians, believers, ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our body. This verse is telling us that the world suffers. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. They're in the midst of the tests and trials of life, but even believers suffer. The part of us which is tied with nature, our bodies will maintain the curse until it dies or is changed into a resurrection body one day. We have the nature of the flesh, which has been the object of discussion for quite a few chapters. When nature groans, we groan right along with them. When there's earthquakes and, tr- and trials and troubles that are throughout the earth and there's floods and tornadoes and hurricanes, nature groans. But trials not only come to the sinner and also to creation around us, they also come to us and we've been born again. People often say, why do trials have to be? I'm a child of God. It's because you're still in the world. He didn't remove you from this world. He has put his nature inside of you. You have this treasure, the new birth in an earthen vessel. So the earthen vessel is still attached to the earth, which is partly cursed. And we maintain that curse also in our body. I've been changed internally. I have the Holy Spirit living inside my spirit. My uh, brain, my mind is transformed day by day as I walk in the word of God and I become renewed in my thinking. But the last thing that's gonna change in me will be my body. If I listen to the Holy Spirit who lives in me and I choose to do that, my body just has to go along as a servant to the things of God. And so I can get up and go witness to somebody. My body might be yelling, you might as well go back to bed. It might be saying there's a good show on television. It might tempt me with things I see around me. But if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lusts and temptations of the flesh. Those who are born again are not exempt, but contrary we're more of a target than ever for Satan. The adoption mentioned here is yet to come. That adoption uh, found there, the word itself is used three ways in the word of God. Spirit adopted at birth. The moment we get born again, our spirit is adopted by God. Next of all, day by day, God is more pleased with the way we think because our soul is adopted by God each day more and more through spiritual maturity. And finally, our body will be adopted at the rapture of the church. Our bodies, which have the nature of the flesh called sin in the singular in the book of Romans, have yet to be redeemed or adopted. This will occur when we receive a resurrection body free from sin and its ever-driving nature found on the inside of us. Let's take a look at some scripture on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The uh, other translations I have says we have this treasure in vessels of dirt that the excellency of the power may be from God and not from us. We can't claim that I'm so special because we're still wrapped in dirt, dirt that 
maintains a curse. Dirt means that this is, has the curse. It's going to get older. It's going to begin to bag. It's going to begin to sag. It's going to have wrinkles. I won't have the strength today I did 20, 40 years ago. No, and I don't have the stamina I did 30 years ago. Verse eight goes on to say, we're troubled on every side, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but never forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I go through troubles, trials, and tribulations, but I know this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the sinners, but you know what? They can't come out of it because they have not been born again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him, the righteous one, out of them all. The difference between a sinner and a Christian is the new birth period. That's the main difference between the two. What is that difference for? It guarantees me if I follow after God and the Holy Spirit in me, I will come through this mess and come out on the other side. A sinner has no assurance of that and neither does a carnal Christian. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one through four, we know that if our earthly house of this body were dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, that is in this natural body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, that's our new body, which is from heaven. But even if being clothed, we are not found naked, that means we're not saved. No, God's gonna clothe people, everyone with a resurrection body, but the ones he's looking for, he really loves, is those that are saved, not naked. And he's referring to the unbeliever here. Even the unbeliever is gonna have a resurrection body one day, but will not spend eternity in heaven. That resurrection body will stay alive forever in hell and eventually the lake of fire forever and forever. But I'm gonna have a resurrection body and God's gonna find me not naked naked, he's going to find me clothed in righteousness, in garments of salvation. Verse four goes on to say, but we who are in this body do groan, being burdened. Not that we were unclothed, that's naked or never saved, but clothed in righteousness, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse 14 says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also by Jesus and then present us with you. This is at the judgment seat of Christ. Go back again to Romans. Let's take a look in chapter eight and verse 24. And this now points us to the future when we will have a resurrection body. When Jesus Christ comes from heaven, if we're alive and remain at that time, he comes back at the rapture of the church. We're going to hear him shout. We're going to have the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. And at that day, we're going to be transformed and changed instantly into a resurrection body. Go to meet Jesus in the air, then go to heaven and be forever with him. Verse 24 says this, for we are saved by hope. There's three types of salvation just like there was three parts to the fact that we've been adopted. We were uh, saved and we were saved by hope. And again, there's three types of salvation. And in the one we're talking about now, we're saved by hope. But the first one, we're not, we're saved by faith. Salvation by faith came the moment we heard the gospel and faith rose up in our heart and we acted on it and received Jesus as our savior. That is past tense. The present tense is uh, of salvation is the daily renewal of our mind. And as our mind is renewed day by day, that's the soul. We're spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is past tense. The soul is present tense. Day by day, we're being saved, but there's one yet to come. And the one that is yet to come, we're saved by hope. Hope is always future in the word of God. Look at verse 24 again. We are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
Why do we still hope for what we see? In other words, once we see it, we'll no longer hope for it. But right now, a resurrection body waiting for us, our home in heaven waiting for us is something we have in hope. We have, we look back on salvation. We walk in sal- new salvation every single day and there's still a salvation yet to come. And that's going to happen when we receive a resurrection body. It comes back to this again. Hope is always future. Hope of the return of Jesus. That's the rapture for the church. Then seven years later, the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth to rule and reign forever. These give us comfort. Salvation is past, present, and future. Again, as I pointed out, but this verse is teaching us the same thing as Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So not only do I have faith for what has happened in the past and faith for every single day, but I have faith for the future. And that faith for the future literally produces a hope in me that this world, as bad as it is, isn't eternal. It isn't here forever. Faith and hope work together to obtain what is is in front of us, but also faith and hope can work together to obtain what we do not yet see. We only see it by faith. It's been manifested, and one day we will be able to see it with our eyes. Paul is saying there is a salvation and a deliverance attached to our hope, and this is a daily form of comfort in our life to realize Jesus is coming soon for us to redeem our cursed bodies and change them into resurrection bodies. I will see you right after the break. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the Book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Talking about this cursed world we live in right now, one day it will be redeemed. I may go to heaven before that time, 
And again, I'll go to heaven when I die or else at the rapture of the church. But here's the point. This cursed world will not last forever. The redemption for even the earth is coming. And in the meantime, nature has that curse in it. I have that curse in it. And we both groan together. When trials and troubles come against me, I groan sometime under the pressure of it. But I also have faith because I know God's going to get me out of this. The world is also under that same curse. It all occurred at the time of Adam. And the earth sees all these problems come. Oh, there's earthquakes and there's tornadoes and there's hurricanes and there's volcanoes and there's all types of, you know, weather related things and, and all the other things that the earth goes through. And the earth is also groaning waiting for the day of its redemption, my redemption will come at the rapture of the church when I will take on a resurrection body. Seven years later, the redemption of the world will come to pass and Jesus Christ will come back and remove the curse that's on this earth. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that on that day when he comes back to rule and to reign, the oceans will clap their hands, the trees will clap their hands, the hills will break forth into singing as the earth is released from its bondage of corruption and together the earth and all redeemed saints will be singing together that he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Again, on that day, when Jesus Christ comes back, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, Jesus will reign forever and forever. That's Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. Take a look with me here at verse 25 here in Romans and notice what it says. But if we hope for what we do not see. In other words, the verse says, it, once you see it, you don't have to hope for it anymore. But anything out in the future that hasn't come yet, if I'm sick, I believe I am healed, but my hope comes in the day that it's going to physically come to pass. So I'm looking forward to a hope. Right now it's a hope, but the day that actually comes to pass, I'm going to say what I trusted God and believed him for has now come to pass. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. The Greek word means perseverance. Perseverance simply means it's more than patience. It's withstanding against problems that come against us. Patience and hope are two corresponding powers that work along with our faith. Faith without patience, we need to have patience. Faith and hope work together to see the end result come. Faith in the midst of a problem, I need patience right now because I know it's going to come to pass, but I also have a hope out there that's going to come a day and it will be done completely. So patience and hope are two cooperating powers which work along with faith. We do not yet see the millennial reign of Jesus. We do not yet see our resurrection bodies, but we know by faith in God's word that they are coming. There's going to come a day Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth. I know the church will be here in resurrection bodies. I also know that people born again during the tribulation and endured to the end of the tribulation will be saved and spared to go into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and have children during that time. The curse that's on their age will be gone. They'll live to ripe old ages of a thousand years old. And the Bible tells us a child will die at a hundred. That just simply moves, means they'll move right on from puberty into adult at a hundred years old. So again, we know by faith in God's word, all this is coming, but hope is the picture, the target that's set before us and working with faith and patience will eventually get us there. I like to think of this this way. The promises yet to come are like a target out there in front of us. And all we have to do is just stay right in faith with God. And we're going to hit the center of that target one of these days. Let's take a look at verses 26 and verse 27 and talk about the final groan we're going to have. 
And these are groans we go through every day, but they're going to have an ending one day. One day, our groanings in the midst of trials, troubles, and tribulations will come to an end. Verse 26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Up until now, we've had the word of God. And now we have the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Spirit work together with us and both have the same desire and they both have the same goal they're headed for, spiritual maturity and one day presenting us to God in heaven itself. And just like the Word works for us, verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Greek word for helps is the word soon anti lombano. It's a great big word made up of separate parts, but it means to pull together 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 with us against against something to pull together against to pull together means we join together join together with the holy spirit holy spirit also teams up with the word of god so the word of god the holy spirit and me we're teaming up together pulling against this problem we have in our life and it says the holy spirit also helps in our weaknesses Now, the weakness here is not sickness or disease or anything like that. The weakness here is we don't always know how to pray. In other words, as smart as I am, I ain't got there yet. As smart as you are, you haven't arrived yet. There's still areas of your life that take you by surprise. I've been born again since I was five years old. I've been walking with God for years. I pastored for 33 years. I taught in a Bible school before that time. I taught Sunday school classes before that time. I was raised in church. About the most evil sins I committed was throwing spit wads in high school. I mean, I didn't take drugs. I didn't shoot anybody. And, you know, when they ask for testimonies, they bypass me because I don't have the testimony they're looking for in some of these meetings they asked me to come to. But I think I'm one of the greatest examples, not to me personally, but what I went through. We need more and more kids raised up today that were raised in church and quit bragging about how we got a drug addict saved. And that's fine. But see, the greatest treasures right under our nose in church. The kid that was born again in the church came through Sunday school in the church, came to the youth department in the church, has stayed in church faithfully all this time, learned the word of God, now has a call to the ministry. That's what God's looking for. So again, The Holy Spirit helps, it says here in our weaknesses, but even if you're that kid like me, raised in church, you know what? There's still times we go, wow, where did this come from? I've been blindsided by this thing. What? And all of a sudden, Bob, who thinks he knows so much, doesn't even know where to turn. As much as you know, there comes those days you go, I don't even know where to start. Because why? There's times when things happen in life we don't have an immediate answer for, but you know what? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And thank God for the ability to pray in the spirit. And I mean, praying in tongues that opens us up. The Bible's first mention of tongues was in Isaiah 28 with stammering lips and another tongue. Will he speak to this people? The very first thing it's talking about is, is that when you pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, that what it does is open up a doorway, a portal to put it in 21st century language to where God can get through to us by the power of the spirit and speak to us. Because what I'm missing right now is what am I supposed to do? I can't find a scripture attached to this. The Holy Spirit's never led me down this road. I feel like I'm facing something brand new. You probably aren't. It's just got a different title on it. It's probably something you faced before, but don't recognize it. And I need some, I need some wisdom right now. And that's where again, it says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We run into a situation. I don't know. I think I should know how to pray, but I have no idea where to begin on this. It says the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered or articulated. 
We've had help from the word of God producing faith, hope, and patience in the verses before this. But now we have help from the Holy Spirit. The infirmity the Holy Spirit helps us with is our ignorance on how to pray in each and every situation. In verse 22, Paul said, we know. In verse 26, Paul said again, we know. But in between verse 22 and verse 26, we find this statement, we don't know. In certain situations of life, we know the scripture, which apply to the problem. So we pray in line with the scripture. In other situations, we have no idea how to pray, but the Holy Spirit is there to help us and give us wisdom and direction. He does this in the midst of our groanings of despair, not knowing how to articulate even a prayer. The sinner and the carnal Christian have no idea where to turn, but those in touch with God begin to pray in the spirit. And we are assured that even if I'm ignorant in this situation, the Holy Spirit will show me exactly what to do and exactly how to pray. And the Holy Spirit does this by giving us words which cannot be spoken in our natural tongue or language, or as the Greek says, words that we cannot even articulate. In other words, we don't even know where to begin. There's times we don't even know how to pray, but what do we need to do? Just start praying in the Holy Spirit. As you're praying, God will begin to reveal something to you. Why? With stammering lips and another tongue, he can speak to this people. In the midst of my prayer, God can begin to show me where to go. And when soon as he does, I know exactly how to pray now. I know what scriptures can revolve around this situation. And this is again, a reverence to the power of praying in the Holy Spirit. Or again, like I said, praying in other tongues. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one through four says, this. We know. I like that. There's always verses say, we know, we know, we know. But in this verse we've been looking at in Romans, it says, we know not. So occasionally we run into those things of, I don't know where to begin. I don't know squat what to do. But this verse says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, down through verse 4, we know that if our earthly house, this body was destroyed, we die. We have a building from God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this, this body, this house I'm living in right now, I know this one's gonna be destroyed one day and I'm gonna have another house in heaven waiting for me. But right now in this body, we groan eagerly desired to be clothed upon with our home. This is a resurrection body, which comes from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked or not saved. For we who are in this body do groan. In other words, there's times we don't know what to do. You know what this groaning is? It's absolute ignorance. It's absolutely being astounded. Of, I don't even know where to turn in this situation. I didn't see this coming. I don't know who's spreading all these rumors about me. I don't know who's behind the scenes running me down. I had no idea who started this. I have no idea how far it spread. I don't know how many people think this about me. And all of a sudden we are found ourselves, we are blocked in by by this thing and we don't know where to turn. In this body we groan, being burdened, not because we want to be naked, but further clothed. In other words, I'm not approaching this thing like a sinner who's not saved. I'm approaching it as a believer clothed in the righteousness of God that mortality may be swallowed up by life. What it's simply saying is, I know one day I'm gonna go to heaven. So if I'm gonna go to heaven, then apparently I'm gonna make it through this problem. But right now I don't even see how to get through this problem. And that's where again, groanings that are brought out here are really telling us in times of groaning where we don't know where to turn, we always have one direction we can turn. Even when we can't find a scripture at the moment on it, we can begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Groanings is brought out here again in the time of our trials, not knowing how to even put a prayer together. Our groanings are also 
looking forward to the time we'll leave this cursed world and stand with God in heaven where everything will suddenly make sense. We will not only be redeemed in our spirit, but our bodies will also be changed into a resurrection body of perfection. And there we'll be standing before the Lord. You know what, in these verses of scripture, I trust right now, some of you that just don't know where to turn, will suddenly stop and begin to pray in the spirit, pray in other tongues. You know what's gonna happen? I guarantee you the word of God is true. You'll begin to see light at the end of the tunnel. Suddenly something will open up you didn't think about before as the Holy Spirit says, I knew it was coming and here's your answer. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.